Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Well, as a fair, it's a great pleasure to be here with you guys. Uh, let me start with uh, a quote. She walked into the room, took off her coat and smiled. One smile and I was transfixed. Her mouth was moving, but I had no idea what she was saying. I was charged, magnetically pulled towards her. On the stage of my life, a spotlight had just lit her up, and I was the only person in the audience. And as crazy as it seemed, all I wanted to do was step up from my seat and join her in the light. <laughs> and so I did. But if that part of the journey proved easy, then the voyage that followed wasn't. Well, that is the introduction to that book that's just been talked about. <laughs> it's part of my personal story, and I wonder if you can relate not to the details and specifics, but to the feelings. There are yearnings within all of us for companionship, and they're pretty universal, aren't they? And in the next few minutes, what I want to do is point us to where those feelings come from and make some suggestions about a better way to date. There isn't a formula, but there are some principles that can help us. And I need to say, as I've just hinted at, that I am a fellow sinner. I don't stand up here as someone who's always got it right but as someone who's made all kinds of mistakes, but hopes that you can learn from my mistakes as we go. And yet I need to say as well that one of the realities of doing a topic like this, even though I've thought about it uh, lots, is that I'm likely to offend some of you in some way over the next few minutes. Our situations are not all the same. I might say something without enough qualifications as I say it. Can I say sorry in advance? But... However you are feeling right now, maybe you're biting your lip because you expect to be misunderstood. Maybe your heart is sinking with shame because life hasn't worked out the way that you thought it might. Maybe your arms are crossed because you think you don't really need any wisdom, thank you very much. Maybe you are breathless with anticipation, secretly crying out for help. However you are feeling, would you keep listening keep discussing Q&A afterwards because this is such a big area for so many of our lives, for our friends' lives, for those that we know, that we simply cannot afford to assume that what we've inherited or what we see around us in the world is faithful to our Savior who shed his blood for us. Now, right up front, let's get to what I believe is the key scripture as we think on this topic of dating. It's what was read before, Matthew chapter 22. And I'm, let me just read again from verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus is saying, if you boil down everything that he has to say, about living the Christian life into one sentence, it's this, love God and love your neighbor. 
And, and the question I just want to answer as we think about that is maybe you say, fine, Jesus, but why? Why is it that the whole of my life should be orientated around loving Jesus? Why is it that something like relationships and my life decisions will, will should, uh, should somehow be linked to him? And the answer is this. It's because God, the one who created the world, the one who keeps our hearts beating even now, sent his son to become an embryo who had to kick his mummy's tummy from the inside out, who entered into the world into manure and cobwebs and prickly hay, and who learned how to crawl and stand and learn his ABCs and a bit later went through puberty and then would have had calloused carpenter's hands and dealt with customers who didn't appreciate his work and others who shortchanged him and who allowed those calloused carpenter's hands to be spread out. A nail pierced through the skin of his wrists for stability before a mallet split the median nerve and paralyzed his hands. And as the nails took the weight of his body, pulled his shoulders out of the socket so that his arms instantly got about six inches longer before he began to suffocate, his lungs filling up with blood, so that our sins could be forgiven, so that eternal hell could be avoided, so that our crowns could be purchased and eternal joy guaranteed. Whether you are here today and you are single or married, remember that at least half of you here who do marry will be single again because your partner will die before you. Whether you're single or married, the most important relationship in our lives is with the God-man Jesus Christ who gave his life for you and he will never let you down. He will never forsake you. And there is a day coming that even though we only see it in part now, where you will feel the warmth of his calloused carpenter's hands press against the skin of your face and wipe away every tear of heartache and suffering and struggle that all this world throws at us. And you will shiver at disbelief as you look down at your new body, which dazzles brighter than the sun. And as you look out on the blessing of a new creation that we cannot yet comprehend. Hallelujah. The yearnings that we have for relationship point beyond us to something more. There are signposts to the stars. There are signposts to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Christians seek to live to love him with all their heart and soul and mind and seek to love others like Christ because his love for us has won us over. And it may be that there are a few here who, even at this point, think, I'm not sure if Christ is worth that to me. And I want to say, I hear what you're saying. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, my priorities for relationships are frankly more important than Christ. Can I say thank you for being honest if that thought is going through your mind? To some degree, that's all of us. We are broken people who God is slowly rebuilding. But I want to say, if that's you, the solution actually isn't tips about relationships the solution is more of Jesus so will you ask him to set your heart on fire with love for him 
Will you ask others to encourage you with why Jesus is so special to them? And will you tell someone else about the journey that you're starting on? Who do you need to speak to after this service to make this not just an idea, but a reality? But if you are persuaded, (laughs) if you are persuaded to love God and love your neighbor is the heartbeat of how we should live our Christian lives, then, then some questions follow as we go about thinking about dating. Here's a question that follows. Would Jesus smile at my hopes and dreams for relationships? Are we loving God as we go about dating? Would Jesus be clapping his hands at what he sees us doing during our dates? As you seek to end a relationship, would Jesus say to the angels, that was hard, but that guy, that girl, showed real Christian courage? Love of God. And we'll also be asking these kinds of questions. Are we loving our neighbor in our dating relationships? Are we concerned about how how we could be a blessing to them as well as how they might bless us? Are we concerned about what we are giving as much as what we might get? Are we concerned about being honest with people more than doing what is just comfortable for us? Because any potential boyfriend or girlfriend is first a brother or sister in Christ. Let's dig a little deeper. And I want to go back uh, a little as we're in our thinking about relationships and, and just introduce to you the idea that was probably very familiar that there are two biblical patterns for Christian relationships. Uh, the, the first pattern is, is singleness, to be single and celibate, that is uh, refraining from sex uh, and uh, cultivating good friendships. That's the first pattern. That's the default. We're all born single. And it's the best option, according to the Bible, actually. It's the option of Jesus, the option of uh, the Apostle Paul, for example. That's option one. And option two is marriage. Marriage to the opposite sex, which is uh, God's design for the place of sexual intimacy. And again, a place for cultivating good friendships. And this is a legitimate option, too, in the Bible. And both of those are good ways of showing how great Christ is as we live them out. That's one of the chief tasks of humanity made in the image of God. So can I say, praise God for you if you are single here and seeking to live out that vision of relationships. Just like Christ doesn't do one-night stands or fall out of love with the church, nor do we with him. And when we live this out, singleness in communities that are filled with friendship, when we live that out, well, actually, church is a place where everyone can thrive, whether you are single or divorced or same-sex attracted or whatever, married. And I want to praise God for you if that's you here. But the Bible is also really clear that marriage is to be an advert for the world of how Christ loves the church. We see it in Ephesians chapter 5 up on the screen. Let me read this one verse. It says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be reunited to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Marriage. And then verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. Marriage is an advert for Christ and the church. 
Now look, with all of that being said, this means, if there are these two patterns that exist for Christians, this means that the goal of a single person dating is to make a wise decision about whether or not you should marry a particular Christian so that together you can be an advert for how Christ loves the church. Let me say that again. The goal of a single person dating is to make a wise decision about whether or not you should marry a particular Christian and together be an advert for how Christ loves the church. Now look, these, these two principles are, are, are really helpful because, well, this principle is really helpful. Um, some take it too seriously, so they never get started in dating, <laughs> or no one's ever perfect enough. But others don't take this principle seriously enough, and that means that people get hurt along the way. And probably in London, in where we are, that's probably the bigger problem, I think. And a number of things flow out of this uh, definition. Here's the first one. That success in dating isn't necessarily marriage. Success in dating isn't necessarily marriage. Because you can date someone and break up and it still be a success. Because you may have made a wise decision, uh, a wise decision that means that you've learnt more about yourself and about that person and realised that you're not right for each other in terms of marriage. So let me give you an example. A friend who was a strong extrovert and was dating someone who was a strong introvert. And it soon became clear that they were energized by completely different things. It's not that when you uh, date someone or marry them, they have to be identical to you. But in this case, they were pulled in such different directions that they weren't really able to thrive together. They learned about themselves, about each other. It was right that they ended that relationship. Or a couple who was passionate about going overseas on mission and another uh, who was passionate about a very different ministry here in London. And time together made it clear how deep those passions went. They learnt about themselves, about each other, and it was right that they made a wise decision to press a stop on those relationships. And in both cases, they were better equipped to make choices on the relationships that they had in the future. So do you see, the first thing then, uh, success in dating isn't necessarily marriage. Second thing, Christians should date Christians. Christians should date Christians because being an advert for Christ is so tied up with marriage and so clearly requires the power of Christ that it would be impossible for a non-Christian to want to or even be able to do it if they didn't believe that Jesus was their king. It'd be a bit like asking a Chelsea FC season ticket holder to go to all the Arsenal games, sit in the home stand. Um, they could do it, but as they take their coat off and reveal their Chelsea top and they're trying to chant, come on you Chelsea, it's going to be a bit of a dissonance. It's not going to work. This is really important. I used to run with my wife, Rachel, um, uh, growth groups, which is what we call connect groups at a, a church in London. And every year of about 10 years running that group, there would be someone in our group who began to date a non-Christian, normally a woman, and um, they would be convinced that it wouldn't affect their faith, and they'd often say that the man was kind of interested in getting to know something about Jesus. And the reality was that over that whole time, none of those guys ever did really explore Jesus. 
And every time, the woman gradually drifted away and never came back to church or to Christ. And I don't think that's a way to honor our Savior. Alternatively, I know a friend who a guy was pursuing her. He wasn't a believer. And she said to him, if you want to pursue me, you need to pursue Christ first. Take a couple of years, pursue Christ, and then come back. That's what she said to this guy. And now they're married. Now, that often doesn't happen. Let me just be clear. But here's what the guy said. I saw him recently. Here's what he said. He said, it was when she said, go sort your life out with Christ first, that I realized how special Christ was to her. Because you see, if we don't do that, what we're saying actually is Christ's important, but you're kind of more important. Here's the question. How special are we making Christ look to those around us? Now, now let me just make an important caveat. Some of us may have become a Christian while we're married, and that's a completely different scenario. That's not what I'm talking about. But we shouldn't intentionally pursue relationships with unbelievers. It's far more likely to jeopardize our own spiritual health than to lead someone to Christ. Look, that's the second thing. Christians should date Christians. Third little thing, we need friends on the journey. Proverbs 15 verse 32 says, those who disregard discipline despise themselves, but the one who heeds correction gains understanding. To go it alone is a form of self-sabotage. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the film 127 Hours. It's about a climber. He, um, there's a nod over there. Someone's seen it. A climber goes on annual leave from his retail job, leaves his phone at home, doesn't tell his girlfriend where he's going, falls down a crevice and ends up having to cut his arm off to get, get out. Overconfidence in his own ability had life-altering consequences. <laughs> and you know, it can be like that when we try and go the Christian life alone. We need other people to help us. If, if the Christian life is a bit like Lord of the Rings, and we're a bit like Frodo, then we all need a Sam. You know, Sam is always on Frodo's side, but he doesn't hesitate to say when he thinks that he's been overly influenced by things that might make him make rash or unwise choices. Have at least one Sam in your life, a person who knows you, and knows how you're likely to stumble in this world of dating, and who will call you out on it. Now look, I said before, success isn't necessarily marriage. I want to say just a little bit more on that. Here are two things that you should think about in terms of success. Success is that you've both grown in knowing Christ, that's loving God, and that you've honored each other emotionally and physically, that's loving your neighbor. Let me just say a little bit on those. So you've both grown in knowing Christ. Maybe, for example, you've talked about the teaching that you've heard on church, in church on Sundays. You've prayed together. Maybe you've read a Christian book together. By the way, not at 11 p.m. in one another's bedroom. That's unwise <laughs> and likely to lead you to sin. But 6 p.m. in a cafe, absolutely. You've both grown in knowing Christ. What's the alternative? The alternative is stagnation in our Christian life as we date. And secondly, you've honored each other emotionally and physically. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about the emotional side in a minute, about being honest and truthful, but honoring each other physically. So, so I've said already, you don't have sex before marriage, 
But if you slip into being overly intimate with someone of the opposite sex, whether it's oral sex, whether it's undressing one another, whether it's stimulating, whatever it is, you don't let that become a pattern that goes unaddressed and you just accept. You honor each other emotionally and physically. The alternative is sin. And I hope with those two categories, you know, basically saying that there's a way of succeeding in dating that doesn't mean it ends necessarily in marriage. I hope that having those categories means that we don't have to make dating so serious that we never get started. But on the other hand, we don't date for fun or for relief or without any sense of what it's for. Okay, let's get even more specific now. Three things. Firstly, how do I choose? How do I choose? Well, ideally, we choose in community. The best way to meet someone is in community because we get to observe what they are like in a low-key way without everything becoming exclusive and potentially intense really quickly. Think about Boaz in the Bible, uh, in the book of Ruth, and how he uh, sees this new girl in town, uh, uh, Ruth, and he's able to observe that she's a godly Christian, works a godly, uh, God-fearing woman, uh, who has uh, begun to serve in all kinds of ways. That's how it was for, for Rachel and I. We uh, found ourselves in the same connect group, the same Bible study group. And I guess some of the things that go on in that will be obvious. You know, am I excited about being around this person? Am I attracted to them? But a key question that we should ask is, is there evidence of fruit? You know, fruit reflects the underlying state of our hearts. Healthy apple tree has healthy, healthy fruit. Healthy Christian has healthy fruit. Are they pursuing Christ in all the areas that they're aware of? Are they regularly going to church? Are they serving in church? Are they giving to church? In other words, are they using their time and talents and treasure towards the kingdom of God? If their heart has been truly captivated by God, then that should be the case. We're not looking for perfection, we're serving one another in brokenness, aren't we, so that we can mature together. But are they showing signs of fruit? And of course, as we think about this question, we're thinking about ourselves, not just other people. If we want to be good people to date, then we want to ask, are we using our time, our treasure, and our talent towards the kingdom of God? And actually, often attraction grows between Christians as we cultivate that. Well, look, how do we choose online? How do we choose online? And in one sense, online apps increase the possibility of meeting someone, don't they? And uh, maybe you're thinking in a My Connect group, that it's slim pickings, quite frankly, Jason. It's not going to happen. Um, so so, it's, so there's, there's a good thing about online apps, isn't it? They, they increase the pool of possibility, don't they? And they do it in a way that means that we don't need to flip from church to church. We can stay based, rooted in people who know us and love us. But the fact that there is no real world connection, the fact that it's not always a truthful place online, means that we can't always know or find out about what people are really like on the first date. And added to that, the starting point is so much more intense. It's a date, and we're asking, is it the date? from minute one. So what do we do? A few uh, suggestions. First of all, pray. And pray every time uh, that you uh, connect with the 
app. You know, in the Bible, when you get descriptions of relationships, it often goes with descriptions of spiritual attack, Adam and Eve, Satan. There's description of marriage and spiritual armor. We need to pray. Set limits. A friend of mine who has been through this uh, says that she made the decision not to have the app on her phone, or at least, first of all, she just turned the notifications off because it was just playing with her heart so much. She just took the notifications off. But then she decided she was just going to use it. I have to get out my laptop to do it, and then I can put it away so she didn't have it on her phone. But set limits, whatever they look like for you. Be accountable. Uh, be accountable for the decisions that you're making. And set reasonable expectations as well. It's worth having an MOT of what you're actually looking for uh, when you uh, think about uh, who your uh, dating partner is going to be. What are your red lines? And where are you going to have a generosity of spirit? There should be red lines around things like, do they believe the same gospel as me? Uh, but there might be a generosity of spirit around things that you don't yet know. So you look at their profile and they haven't said that chess is the most important thing that they like to do in their spare time. And you might want to have a spirit of generosity around that. I mean, if, if you do make chess the only thing, it's going to be a small pool. And um, so, so you might, it's a spirit of generosity. Okay, biggest mistakes that we can make along the way. First one, there are three of these, I think, and then we're coming to the end. First one, not being honest when you're not really invested in relationship. So you meet someone, and not only do you seem to be at ease, but you're enjoying yourself. And you naturally are quite tactile, so you're quite physically affectionate. There's a hand on the shoulder a few times, and you use words like, you're amazing, and you're such a special guy. And then, guy hears nothing for a week, and then two weeks, and then finally, he gets a text saying that you were chatting to someone else at the same time, and he thinks that you should stop seeing each other. Let me say a couple of things about that first. Your words and your actions hinted at a level of depth of relationship that actually you weren't really committed to, and you were doing that with someone whose heart was really vulnerable. That's hurtful. Might you need to hold back a little if that's you? Second, let's not treat online dating or any dating like a bit of a pick and mix sweet shop. Just having a look at what you can get lots of different times with different people. Not okay. Look, I know that the way that online works is complicated. You know, people respond at different times and that sort of stuff. But it's not loving to let someone believe you're exploring something individually with them. When, you're, when they're simply just one of your options. You know, dating is an opportunity, an opportunity to trust God to be in control of events. And if we do that, we can slow down and explore one relationship at a time. So will you use dating to grow your faith and trust in the Lord, not to pause it? So that's the first one then, uh, not being honest. Second one, not being clear when you're not sure of what your feelings are. For example, you go on holiday, you get chatting to someone, and after the holiday, you are now texting every day. Now, one of you is likely to think that that relationship might be going somewhere. It's always kind to be clear. Is there someone you need to call even after this service to make things clear? Or maybe you've met someone online, 
and you've met up in person and you've had fun, but you're not sure where things are going, just be clear. Maybe you say, I want to keep exploring this, but I, I just don't know where this is going. If you're not comfortable with that, I hear you and I'll accept that. Just check in with one another and be clear. Is there a conversation that someone here needs to have to love your sister or brother in Christ? Final one, not letting go, not letting go. So a friend of mine told me this story recently. He dated someone for 10 years and he knew for most of that time that he would never marry this person. And as he looked back, he said, I robbed that woman of a chance to explore all kinds of relationships with others because it just felt easier to me to carry on. Look, can I say, out of love, out of care for your brothers and sisters, out of love for Christ, push through the pain. Now, now don't make up a lie to make the person feel better, like, I'm busy, or I'm in a really confused place right now, or I'm worried about work. If the real reason is just, I just don't think we're a good fit, or I don't see this going beyond a friendship, and I don't want to lead you on, then just say that. Best not to say, I just don't think you're a nice person. Um, it doesn't need to include personal character, you know, judgment. But more like, thank you for the times when we've gone for coffee. I'm concerned that we're not on the same page about X. And this is just not something I want to pursue right now. I don't want to hurt you, but I want to be clear. It's always going to cause pain. When we're in the season of dating, we have to be prepared that we're going to hear some hard things, right? But clarity is kinder. Heed these words from uh, John, the Apostle John. Whoever claims to love God, yet hates his brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister, whom they have seen, cannot love God, whom they have not seen. If we cannot treat brothers and sisters in Christ with love and care and respect, who are in front of us. We're kidding ourselves that we really love the God who is hidden from us. I want to end the way that I started, by pointing you to Jesus. I remember an evening recently uh, when I'd been teaching on similar things about how God has wired us to enjoy relationships. And I got home, and pretty much immediately, I had an argument with my wife. And we sat at the dining room table. I was there on my laptop, and I began to do some work. And, um, and she sat at the other end of the table doing her own jobs. And we didn't speak for an hour. And then she went to bed without saying a word. And I made no effort to stop her. It's not always like that. <laughs> but in that moment, I find myself turning to verses like, I will never leave you or forsake you says the Lord Jesus, Hebrews 13. Or, though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me in. Or the beautiful one that you shared earlier. All human relationships will let us down. But Christ won't. Christ won't. This is how our story ends, brothers and sisters. Revelation 19, and then we're done. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of washing waters, like... A loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come 
and his bride, us, the church, has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. We are on our way to a wedding banquet that will last for the rest of forever. And then the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. These words are trustworthy and true. That is your future. That is my future if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing can take that away from you. And because Jesus loves us, it is worth us loving him and loving our neighbors with everything that we can. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for uh, the Lord Jesus and his love for us. We pray, Heavenly Father, you would help us to know what it looks like more and more to love you and love our neighbor in this complex area of relationships. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.